Yo, what up? Episode 59 of the DLSS Podcast. We're back. Thank you guys for joining me. It's just me this week. Nate's out at uh, the Lake Isabella house, uh, being his mountain man, John Denver self. Uh, but yeah, guys, he posted it on Airbnb, so if you guys are interested in jumping out of the out of town for a few weeks, or for a few days, rather, or a few weeks, fuck it, uh, make sure to hit him up uh, for details on his Instagram, and you can just uh, look it up on Airbed and Breakfast now and uh, rent it out. It's listed online as Modern Mountain Home with Huge Lake View. It's in Wofford Heights, which is right by Lake Isabella, so hit him up, or his Instagram is at Nathaniel Deptula, so I'm sure he'd appreciate it if you guys want to... Uh, if you guys know him or us personally, I'm sure he'll hook you up. You tell him you found out about it by, from the DLSS podcast. I'm sure he'll tack on a little bit of a discount there. So make sure to reach out and help him out and help yourself out. But for this week, it's going to be pretty straightforward. Of course, we're going to recap the fights that happened last night, talk about all the uh, fights that fell off and got shuffled, kind of the musical chairs of fights over the last couple cards, including the next ones coming up because of COVID and everything like that. But we're going to go over the fights and go over the uh, results from those from last night. Uh, the UFC card headlined by Anthony Smith, and he took on Devin Clark. And, of course, recap the points for the predictions challenge, and then we're going to look ahead to next week for UFC fight night. Jack the Joker's taken on uh, Marvin Vittori. We'll get into the details of that, but that was a last-minute switch-up. He was originally taken on, um, well, originally, originally, it was supposed to be Darren Till, and then he pulled out. They swapped in uh, Kevin Holland on short notice, and then Kevin Holland just pe- tested positive for COVID-19. So basically, Marvin Vittori steps in, who was uh, already training to compete against uh, Jacare Souza, I believe, the following week, right? And then so what happened is Marvin Vittori stepped in uh, to replace Kevin Holland for his positive COVID-19 test against Jack Hermanson this coming weekend and then Kevin Holland which should be in the clear and test negative will you know basically just switch places with Marvin Vittori and face Jacare Souza uh, the following week so a little bit of middleweight musical chairs as they called it last night on the broadcast as they explained that switch up but with COVID-19 there's a lot of last minute replacements there's a lot of the cards that are getting switched up last minute and this particular one that went down last night is no exception Curtis Blades tested positive basically the day before or the day of weigh-ins and so uh, the main event got scrapped him and Derek Lewis was no more so they bumped up the Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark fight to the main event uh, and they had already taken a hit to the card when uh, Hanato Moicano fell off of uh, testing positive for COVID-19 as well him versus um, Rafael Fiziev was going to be the co-main event so they're kicking that fight down the road a little bit as well they're going to reschedule it and make sure those two face off uh, and then they've like I said switched up with the Vittori and Kevin Holland opponents and then they're not saying exactly when yet, but they are going to reschedule the Blades versus Lewis fight uh, just in the next coming weeks. Not sure if it's going to be this. Uh, there's only three cards left, guys, in 2020, so it's probably going to be early 2021. But uh, they're saying we're going to get that bout. It's just going to be uh, a few more weeks for it. And I'm sure we'll get more into the weeds with all this stuff. As you know, we break down fights, talk about certain opponents. Um, it's going to trigger to talk about them or, or other people getting flipped, flopped, and moved around and things like that. It's, it's just kind of one of those things right now, given the current environment. You really never know until fight night who's actually going in and stepping in there and competing. So I don't know. It's kind of fun just keeping us on our toes, you know. And it does just kind of seem like that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. So I guess we got to kind of get used to it. But that's enough talking about that. Uh, I think it's time we get to it. But really quickly before. 
before we jump into any of the action, I got to make sure to shout out my boy Dave DeCourcy. Thank you so much for supporting the show, brother. Guys, if you have any cash out refinance needs, you need to pull some cash out of the equity of your home, or if you need to purchase a home, so you need to get a loan to do that, make sure to support the people who support the show by going to www.thedecourcygroup.com. That's T H E D E C O U R C Y Group.com and let them know the DLSS podcast sent you over there, and it really does help us out a lot. So thanks, Dave, for always supporting the show. Also, big ups to my boy, Matthew Juarez. He's a consistent supporter of the show. He listens every week, he tells me. And I just wanted to say thanks, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate the support. It means a lot. Uh, so thanks, man. And shout out to Matt Juarez, USMC vet. Actually, I think he's still active and, you know, like the co-host here. We always appreciate that, guys. Anyone who serves our country deserves our respect. Uh, as well as, you know, boxing and Muay Thai aficionado. Me and him have banged it out a few times on the mat. So I just wanted to say thanks again for listening. And I appreciate the support, Matt. But with that out of the way, and before we move on to the action, you guys know I'd be peddling my turmeric tonic on here, telling you guys about all the things that are going on with that and just the milestones that's, that are coming up and just cool news and things that have happened. So uh, besides, you know, listening to me pedal it every week, I figured this would be a great time to share with you what happened over this last weekend, which was Small Business Saturday. If you guys aren't familiar with that, look into it. You should make sure to support any of the small businesses. You know, this show is, is definitely about supporting independent content creators and independent small businesses businesses locally to the area so um i submitted a request for them to potentially highlight the tonic and or the podcast whichever one they choose on uh, kfi am 640 on the mo kelly show they spent an entire couple hours just highlighting small local businesses and so uh, i'm going to play for you guys just an audio clip from that it's basically it's like a pre-recorded commercial for the tonic which i'm stoked on uh you know media personality someone who's a professional at this shit essentially gave me a 30 second clip uh, for my product and I, i'm stoked on it and it was played uh, on am 640 on saturday from six to eight they had the mo kelly show and it's nationally syndicated on iHeartRadio. so i'm just super pumped about that some kind of new development with the, the tonic so like i said rather than listen to my boring ass good tell you each week that you need to check it out i'm gonna have you listen to a professional tell you all about it so here it is kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app it's hour two of the mo kelly show small business saturday 2020 this is very important in this age of COVID-19 that we uplift, that we promote, that we celebrate and congratulate our small businesses, which I call the economic engine of Southern California and beyond. Let's get right back to it. D loves turmeric tonic, organic turmeric, ginger, lemon recovery, and wellness tea made fresh to order in bulk by the gallon providing relief from inflammation and ramping up your immune system into hyperdrive. Consistency is key with everything in life, and this is no exception. One gallon lasts three weeks, 21 days taking one six-ounce shot per day. Seven days a week, individually coordinated with customers for convenience. Please visit at DLoves underscore turmeric underscore tonic on Instagram. For details and to place an order, 15% off if you mention the Mo Kelly Show. Now, first and foremost, I, that's fucking cool. I'm stoked that they did that. Stoked that they would be doing that in general, highlighting small businesses, like he said, especially during this time where everyone's fucking struggling and going through it, trying to get creative, uh, myself included. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that was super cool that they do that in general, and I'm very pumped that I was able to get on there and get that exposure, as well as, like I said, that's pretty much just a soundbite for me. Now I can just play that or send that out to someone, and it's a full description on generally what it is and how to take it and everything, so I'm pumped on that. Uh, the 
seven days a week thing. I'm, I'm open seven days a week, essentially. Uh, small businesses never close. So uh, if people hit me up, I coordinate with them individually. And you guys can also be included with that. And don't feel like you're not special. Uh, 15% if you mention the Mo Kelly Show. Well, if you mention the DLSS podcast, you best believe I'm giving you a fat discount as well. So um, just wanted to kind of pat myself on the back with that. As you guys know, I like to share and kind of document the progression and everything with this. And it's new to me and it's exciting and something I've been working my butt off uh, lately doing as well as with this show so um yeah just wanted to share that with you guys so hope didn't bore you too much but now let's get on to the action all right so ufc fight night technically lewis versus blaze but it turned into fight night anthony smith versus devin clark stepped up you know last minute pretty much to take on five rounds wasn't needed but we'll get into that um but yeah just to double check it because we're talking about this card it was kind of snake bitten from the beginning took a couple big hits like i talked about earlier in the show uh fiziev and moicano by the way is rescheduled for not next week but the following week ufc 256 and then uh from last week luis smolka versus uh quinones is now rescheduled for next weekend's fights the hermanson card which will break down after the after the break here uh, but this card was a lot of fun. It ended up just being a 10-fight card. Uh, but one of those cards with lesser name value that ended up uh, definitely ended up being an exciting night of fights because there was only, out of 10 fights, there was only three decisions. So seven fights ended up not going the distance. There was a lot of KOs and subs. It was, it was a lot of fun, a little bit of everything. So uh, there's a lot of fun fights lower on the card as well, which I'm going to get into first if I may, which I can because it's my fucking show. Starting with the first fight of the night, Nate Manis versus Luke Sanders. Luke Sanders is kind of like a middling bantamweight. You know, he's, he's pretty good. He has some good wins on his record, but um, comes in and makes poor decisions. In this fight, he was tooting up Manis. He was busting him up in both the first and the second round, but just kind of went for it in terms of trying to look for the finish and was just throwing kind of predictable, like the same things were landing and having success earlier in the fight. Uh, but Nate had a tough chin, and it was just, you know, really game and didn't want to quit and was actually getting uh, clean like clean uh, counters occasionally that were really hard and stumbling Luke so although Luke was landing uh, with more frequency and he was landing pretty hard Nate was just super tough and was landing clean counters every like three or four shots he would take he would land one really hard that would kind of buckle Luke's legs every so often and he'd have to shoot for the takedown and it was just a high pace high action fight um, eventually even though Luke Sanders like I, even in the stats here 55 to 33 in significant strikes was putting it on him in the second round um, just didn't set stuff up even though he's having success with these certain strikes at a certain point it was becoming predictable and needed to faint more and needed to you know capitalize on the fact that these things were working and not just you know become routine and become predictable so that uh, Nate in this case could come back with effective counters eventually in a firefight Nate landed a I think it was a left hand I'm, I'd have to go back and look but it was enough to stumble Luke put him on his back Nate capitalized on it jumped on top and ended up getting um, after some ground and pound he made him turn uh, his back to him and get uh, finished him in the second round with a rear naked choke so good job for Nate you know to grit it out and he even said in his post fight he knew he was going to have to weather a storm and and damn did he it was a crazy storm by Luke Sanders and he just needs to kind of make a little bit better decisions in his fight I feel like and he can uh, have more success and more consistency because that's his big problem but shout out to both these guys for the first fight of the night and uh, ended up getting a performance bonus of the night as well so and then we move on to Sue Majeri versus Malcolm Gordon. I'm not familiar with this gentleman, Sue Majeri, uh, but I'm going to take a look at him right now because I want to see how many fights he has in the UFC. I would suspect one, maybe, or zero because, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm not more familiar with this guy. 
But let's take a look here. And reason being is because he had an incredible performance and he put away his opponent in, let's see, 44 seconds. So by TKO, he pretty much just made him quit by strikes. Suma Jerry, yeah, landed nine strikes in this fight and ended up putting away Malcolm in 44 seconds of the first round. And, oh, okay, he's got a win over Andre Sukumtath in his last fight, August 2019, and then a, a loss to Luis, uh, Luis Smoka, who's fighting next weekend. That's one of my favorite fighters. I was telling you guys that last week. So look out for him fighting Jose Quinones next weekend. But, okay, so this guy's fought tough competition and has a couple good wins. Sue Majeri, keep an eye out for this guy. Yeah, I, I'm going to at least after this fight. And then we move on to Gina Mazzani versus Rachel Osovich. This was actually like a tough, like back and forth, pretty gritty. I, I was impressed with the, the performance of these two women. Uh, Gina Mazzani, though, Nate, if you, if you guys are paying attention from our picks last week, I made a few switches, which we'll hear about in the predictions challenge, but uh, recap. But Nate, Went with Mazzani last week on the show. I went with Osovich, but I ended up switching uh, later in the week because all of the a lot of times switching can't switching weight classes is, is never a good sign. But in this particular case, Nate called it last week, and I ended up agreeing with him that <clears throat> all of these changes were positive and i agree with that she used to live in vegas she was just kind of um half one foot in one foot out even though she had the the pi close by she was working full-time and doing these other things she's dating uh tim elliott who's recently moved back to kansas and working with uh uh what is it james kraus and gloria mma in, in kansas city <clears throat> excuse me and he's recently kind of uh, turned around his career and had some recent success after going back and reapplying himself back in uh, and working at glowing M mma so all of those signs pointed to the fact that gina was doing the same she was coming down a weight class which means you have to be extra disciplined and put in more work in order to get the weight down <clears throat> excuse me i'm going to take a drink here so all signs pointed to the fact that Gina was doing the right things to try to make sure to refocus and reinvent herself uh, at a new weight class to fly weight. She was big. She was strong. She was like uh, ripped and, and cut for this. So you knew she was going to be um, a physical and be able to keep up with Rachel in terms of like the clinch and the power and stuff, which that was pretty even because Rachel is a good grappler and uh, um, heavy upper body. She's able to control people generally. But in this fight, um, she was just able to make it gritty and to uh, last uh, until the later part of the, th the third round, but she took some heavy shots, ended up getting put away by two in a row, um, crazy liver shots. One was more of like a, a teep kick, digging those toes underneath the floating rib and, and, and setting off that liver. And then she almost uh, put her away with that. She Rachel gutted it out and was, was continuing on, and then it was more of a tie kick. She turned over the shin and caught her again under underneath the rib cage, and that was all she wrote. Rachel was writhing in pain afterwards after the fight was called, and it was just a, a gritty, a, a well-executed new game plan at a new weight class versus a tough opponent in Rachel. So good job, Gina. Uh, interested to see uh, where she fits in the division and where she can go from here. But the next one, Martin Day versus Anderson Dos Santos. Martin Day, man, you just make one mistake. He tried to uh, reverse the takedown and then got caught in a guillotine himself taking uh, Dos Santos down. He had a hell of a squeeze, and that was all she wrote at the end of the first round. Uh, Dos Santos and two other fighters on this card ended up liking their mentions in my stories when I do the Dana face-off angles uh, before the fights. 
And it was him, Nora Dumont, and then uh, Takashi Sato. But moving up to the main card, Jonathan Pierce uh, came away with a TKO victory in the second round over Kai Kamaka. A lot of people high on this kid, Kai Kamaka from Hawaii. Uh, he just came off of a decision victory, but a victory nonetheless against Tony Kelly in, in the UFC. And, you know, a lot of people, including myself, are expecting big things from Kai Kamaka. And he looked great at points in the fight. But Jonathan Pierce, man, he gutted it out. And he was just, he was not going to be denied. He ended up finishing Kai in the second round. So good for him. Moving up the card, Ashley Evans. Smith drops the decision to Norma Dumont in a hard-fought three-round fight. And uh, Norma Dumont coming down from featherweight in her UFC debut. She faced Megan Anderson, who's essentially the number one contender at featherweight. And uh, Evan Smith has fought down at flyweight before. So this was interesting to see with Evan Smith having that wrestling background uh, and her not being able to be the more physical opponent. She was at times, but uh, Norma Dumont was very strong, very uh, physically um, dominant in the clinch positions and uh, uh, was able to capitalize on landing the cleaner and heavier strikes on the feet. So um, Ashley, you know, posted on her social media that uh, she's in good spirits. She's holding her head high. She's going to level up from this, you know, come back stronger. So congratulations to Norman Dumont on a, on a well-fought perform- performance and a good victory. But the next one, man, this next one I was excited to watch, uh, Spike Carlisle facing Bill Algeo. And the thing is, is this one, Bill Algeo is his second fight in the UFC uh, he lost his first fight, but it was against Ricardo Lamas, and he made a very good account of himself in that fight. Ricardo Lamas, in my opinion, was a better wrestler than Spike, and obviously more experienced, a veteran in the game. So I just felt, if I was judging his performance against Lamas, that um, Spike being a similar version in terms of stylistic matchup uh, with Lamas facing Bill. So I felt Algeo putting up such a good fight against Lamas had a very good shot, especially with an underdog point opportunity there to take out the favorite in Spike Carlisle. So that fight was high-paced, back and forth. You know, very competitive, but overall, Bill was able to uh, land the cleaner, harder shots and keep a good good pace, uh, defend all the takedowns, uh, not all of them, but most of them, and continue to make Spike fight the entire fight, even, you know, standing back up and getting back down, wasn't able to do much with him, so Bill ended up coming away with a unanimous decision, so that was a good fight, and if you guys, that would be one to definitely check out on the highlights, because both these guys are going to be a problem for anybody in the division. And I'm especially excited to see who they put uh, Bill Algeo up against next with that performance. Okay, and then check this out. The next fight, Parker Porter versus Josh Parisian. I was just talking about two featherweights in Bill Algeo versus Park Carlisle. And this is their stats, uh, 70 to 23. Obviously, Bill Algeo won that fight. He did a lot of work on the feet and had a lot of success, so he ended up winning the, the, the striking exchanges. But he threw 70 punches, and Spike Carlisle threw 23 punches. Well, these heavyweights, these are their strikes stats 126 to 114 parker porter and josh parisian just threw everything at each other plus the kitchen sink it was incredible they poured out the jug and the uh, underdog in this case parker porter ends up coming away with the decision and uh, man he was uh you know one of those guys in the heavyweight division you could definitely see could cut a few pounds in terms of uh, body fat but just you know is uh, unassuming and maybe a, mi- a bit misleading he came to to fight he kept a, a crazy pace he had crazy crazy cardio for a heavyweight and this was very uncharacteristic for a heavyweight fight man this was bonkers you guys should check this one out 
That takes us to the co-main event, Miguel Baeza taking on Takashi Sato. Man, this fight played out kind of how I imagined it, but I wasn't 100% confident that Baeza was going to be able to perform to his abilities. And what I mean by that is that, like, I saw flashes of, like, brilliance in his uh, fight against Matt Brown. He ended up coming away with the second-round finish, I believe it was in that fight, second or third round, but he ended up putting away Matt Brown a little later in the fight and did get click, uh, clipped himself and uh, was on... Uh, you know, skates for a portion of that fight. And Matt Brown, although he's a, a legend, and I respect the fuck out of the immortal, but I just expected that, you know, young, fresh up-and-comer who looked super explosive and had a significant speed advantage over him to, uh, you know, not have as much trouble putting away uh, a slower, older fighter like that. So when I saw him in this matchup, I knew he had the potential to do as well as he did, but I was worried that he might maybe take a little bit to get started. But I was fortunate that, yeah, he ended up kind of learning from that UFC experience now against a legend in Matt Brown. He's he's calm and he's fought in this environment, so he ended up coming out and doing uh, what he needed to do to get this victory. He ended up uh, piecing him up and putting him away, actually. I thought it was going to go to a decision, but he ends up uh, t- uh, piecing him up on the on the feet and then taking him down and uh, submitting him with a uh, head and arm choke late in the second round. So, man, congratulations to Miguel Baeza. He's now one strung four fights in a row, undefeated in the UFC. Two performance bonuses back-to-back in a row. Uh, so, I don't know who they're going to put him up against next. He's a welterweight, so lots of fun matchups in that top 15, top 10. So, uh, let's see who they put him up against next. I'll be interested to see. But that brings us to the main event, Anthony Lionheart-Smith. You knew he said yes to five rounds because his game plan wasn't to have it go very long. He was going to come out, talked about trying to go back to his old self and just be mean out there and go to fight, not trying to overwork or overwork on the ground like we've criticized him for uh, off of his back. And there was some times he was on his back early in this fight, but he ended up working to get up, working to you know be offensive, not just settle the position, and uh, used his own wrestling to take down Devin Clark early in the fight. Uh, which was uh, ultimately we were talking about him last episode coming in. He said he was a little heavy, right? And uh, and that's interesting because he probably came in thinking, okay, this is going to help me with my takedown defense. And if I'm just going out there, not thinking about five rounds, I'm just trying to go seek and destroy and potentially maybe even end up on top like he ended, like he ended up doing. Coming in heavy could have been an advantage in that case. But ultimately, we'll never know. But he came out. Anthony Smith had a throwback performance. Granted, this was a step down in competition like he probably needed in this case. Faced nothing but killers, as we said in the uh, last episode during the breakdown, that um, this was going to really let us know where he is and and if he's got another run and where his mindset at ultimately um, after those tough losses. So comes back, does an excellent performance, finishes him in the first round. Uh, ends up like we were talking about earlier. Devin Clark was the wrestler, was the wrestling threat, at least in terms of the the matchmaking and what he thought that uh, Anthony Smith was going to have to keep it at distance and utilize his his attributes, his length, and uh, utilize his strikes. Well, Devin Clark came in, rushed in as they as said uh, they knew he was going to based on their on their film study, and that if he did that, they were going to utilize their wrestling and their size and their strength as well. And it didn't take long to get to the floor. Anthony Smith, you know, only had a few strikes in terms of recording on, on uh, fight metric he ended up not mattering in the end because he ended up submitting him at the end of the first round so congratulations to anthony smith dominant performance i mean shout out to devin clark man competing after you know i believe it was a week prior that his mother-in-law uh, passed away he was fighting with a heavy heart and had a lot on his mind but his family wanted him to compete and wanted him to go out there and try to exercise those demons and it's just kind of with the walt harris situation which was ironic because he was there um commentating on at the table but sometimes it just life doesn't go the way you want it to even when you're going through tough times i hate to say that but it's happened to me it's happened to a lot of us we got to try to rise above 
but that's the situation that happened is that, you know, he was, he was willing to go out there and try to compete and uh, fight under those conditions, and it just didn't end up working out for him. We want the best for him. We wish the best for him and his family and uh, our condolences, and, you know, hopefully he'll come back and the UFC will do him a solid and uh, give him a good matchup after this and he can gain some momentum. But shout-out to Devin Clark for that, taking the, you know, last-minute change-up to main event, things like that. Comes with a lot of pressure, so <clears throat> Anthony Smith had that experience. He's competed, like, uh, in those contests before under those pressure situations he's fought for the title speaking of which who the heck does he compete against now you know kind of place holding himself he's already at number six in the in the division while dominic uh i'm sorry ball Jan, Jan, the current champion Jan blockovich goes to fight uh current middleweight champion uh, israel adesanya the division's kind of just chilling and uh it'll be interesting to see who they potentially put anthony smith up against next i mean here's the top five glover Teixeira, number one tiago santos number two dominic reyes number three alexander rakic who uh just beat anthony smith in their last fight then jiri prochaska jumping on the scene coming out beating uh, Ozdemir in his last fight who is number six uh, tied with Anthony Smith at number six so <clears throat> the light heavyweight division is pretty stacked in terms of like cool matchups as far as like from a fight fans perspective but as far as Anthony Smith man you know he wants to make another run at this he's uh, you know number six tied at number six so it's one of those things that he's got no easy matchups a uh, bunch of killers in front of him so I'll, I'll be excited to see who they the, he himself and and the UFC decides to put him up against next and then we're really going to see you know where Anthony Smith falls in terms of this top five and uh you know where his chances are to getting back to that title so congrats to Anthony Smith on a dominant first round finish and a main event spot so good shit but that does it for UFC Clark versus Smith uh and real quick before we uh take our break shout out to Malcolm from the gym man he just came by basically listened to my entire like history and spiel about the entire like history of the turmeric tonic uh, he came by and he picked up a batch for me so uh shout out to malcolm i hope you enjoy it man thank you so much for the support and uh yeah man this guy is a warrior for mmt fitness uh jiu-jitsu i believe he's a purple belt under jim cassis who's a, a long go as black belt uh carlson gracie senior black, uh, lineage and you know he's a he's got his tie shorts i believe yeah he's got them now uh under frankie mercado and muay thai and so, man, he's just one of my brothers. I've also, you know, faced off against him on the mat and uh, brothers in arms. And I, I appreciate him for coming by and supporting me. Couldn't step in, just got off work, uh, had to head home. But thanks all the same, man. I appreciate you, brother. All right, but that does it for the first half. Give me just one quick second. I'm going to take a break, come back, recap the points for the predictions challenge, have a couple of announcements too. And then we're going to look ahead to next weekend where Jack Hermanson is taking on Marvin Vittori. Yep, that's right. You heard me right. I'll see you guys in one sec. All right, we're back. Uh, this is where we normally do the predictions challenge, so perfect spot to make a few announcements for the predictions challenge. Um, it's been 60-plus weeks we've been going, guys. Have not missed a week. Super proud of that. Um, but, yeah, it's coming to a close, getting pretty down to the wire. It's getting, it's, uh, it's close, which you guys will see here in a second when we uh, recap the points. But a few uh, announcements having to do with the Predictions Challenge starting for next year. Um, but first, I just want to let you guys know there is going to be a giveaway in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be having to do with the Predictions Challenge. So make sure to come back for each week and get the details for the giveaway. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we're also going to be changing up the points for the Predictions cha uh, Challenge. The structure is going to be slightly changed. Not a whole lot of major differences, but a few little tweaks here, some bonus points, stuff like that, uh, starting next year. It's been, like I said, a little bit more than a year for this one because we started in October and obviously a year and, and a couple months 
Uh, we've been doing this one coming to a closing here in three weeks. Uh, but also, lastly, I wanted to point out that we are going to be opening up a sponsorship opportunity for the Predictions Challenge. Obviously, the uh, Dave DeCourcy and the DeCourcy group is uh, graceful enough and, and super dope has been sponsoring and supporting the entire show. But we are opening up another opportunity for anybody who wants to sponsor the Predictions Challenge segment. Um, so if you guys are interested in that, hit me up on my socials at dlove underscore 84 on Twitter at d.love underscore 84 on Instagram. Um, Apple and iTunes rate and review section would be a great place to get a hold of us anywhere you can. Let us know if you're interested. I'd be uh, very interested in talking to you guys and seeing what we could work out. would love to do that for you and highlight some sort of small business as we've been talking about. It's been the theme, man. You know, we got to try to be there for each other. So hit me up and I'd be interested to work something out. And then with that out of the way and um, keeping that in mind, basically, let's recap the points for the predictions challenge. This week's prediction challenge is brought to you by nobody. See what I'm saying? Hit me up. Could be you. Uh, as far as the points go, man, finally, finally making a move. It's been one point here, one point there, tying. And uh, he's only eight points ahead with three uh, cards to go. So this last weekend was really important. Uh, made up a little bit, so I'm stoked. Both got a goose egg on Kamaka, though. Both got a goose egg on Ashley Evan Smith. One point each on uh, Mazani. And this is where I made my move. Uh, Algeo, underdog, came through with the unanimous decision over Spike Carlisle. Four points. Underdog point, right fighter, unanimous and decision. So there's that. By Aza, got one point when he went with Sato, the underdog. Um, I called unanimous decision, but obviously, as you heard, he got it done earlier. So only one point there. And then we each got one point on the main event, Anthony Smith. Got it done in the first round. We called uh, second and third round a little later and by TKO, but he gets it done with the sub, as you heard. So, man, the week started off 200 to 208. Nate with the lead, ending at 207 to 210. Cutting into the lead. Three cards to go. Three points behind. I told you guys this was getting down to the wire. Uh, let's see if Nate can keep his focus, maintain his lead, and get himself across the finish line, or if I can execute one of the best, uh, absolutely the best comeback in Prediction Challenge history. I was down by over 21 points at one point. So we'll see if I can uh, keep this momentum going, keep chipping away at the lead, and uh, come across the finish line victorious. Starting with this uh, next weekend's card, Jack Hermanson, having to do with a few different switch-ups of opponents and styles, and originally Darren Till, and then uh, Kevin Holland, but then now with pretty much a week and a half maybe two weeks notice Marvin Vittori steps in number 13 facing number four in Jack Hermanson Marvin Vittori has been calling for a high higher ranked opponent top 10 a lot of people he's been claiming you know avoiding him and not wanting to fight him up there but Jack Hermanson a stud you know willing to switch up opponents a couple different times and make sure to just be there on the night and want to compete no matter who it is uh, against and so I'm stoked for this matchup I think it's going to be exciting Marvin Vittori is coming out trying to take you know big risk big reward against uh, number four uh, top five opponent obviously in Jack Hermanson so that's the main event for this card a couple other fun fights we'll go through them right now and then we'll get you my picks Nate's not here obviously so we'll just go over my picks and next week when we recap uh, how everything went down we'll of course follow up with Nate with on his uh, but let's get to it starting off at the bottom of the card uh, Luis Smoka versus Jose Quinones um, short and sweet, man. Louis Smoke is my dog. I'm a big fan of his. I've said it many times. Uh, I like this guy, the way he fights and the circles he runs with. Um, hasn't had the consistent success in the octagon that I've hoped for him, but I think he's going to come away with the victory in this one. I think he's just going to be a little bit more accurate, a little bit more precise. Um, his footwork, and, and I believe, is going to be able to keep him safe and, and away from Jose Quinones' power. I don't think he's going to get trapped too much against the cage and the corners. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to go short and sweet. The activity and footwork is going to get Luis Smoker the victory by unanimous decision. 
which takes us to the next fight. First fight on the main card, Nate Landweiler versus Mozvar, Movzar Evilev. Um, I don't know much about this Evilev character, but his record is pristine. His uh, last three fights in the UFC are legit um, against decent opponents and uh, looks squeaky clean. I know Nate Landweiler pushes a mad pace, and he's a dog. He takes a hell of a shot and just keeps coming forward. So I'm kind of torn on this one because I know with the uh, apex, the small octagon, Nate could uh, potentially just kind of have him backed up against the corner backed up against the fence and be able to unload bombs. But uh, for now, I have every right to switch. I'm going to go with Movzar, uh, even left by unanimous decision. Next one, Roman Dolidze versus John Allen. Um, I'm not sure about either of these guys too much. Uh, I saw Dolidze's uh, UFC debut, and uh, Allen I, don't, I haven't seen compete, I don't believe, but he's got more experience. John Allen does. Uh, but I'm going to go with Roman Dolidze, and I'm going to go... At this point, unanimous decision. A little bit uh, of this card, I'm going to have to listen to some of the shows that I listen to and get my inside scoops from, as well as watch the weigh-ins and just kind of take a look at these guys and, and see how they uh, match up. I've seen this. I've said this before. Sometimes physically, even their attributes on paper might be even, but when you see them standing next to each other, you can take a lot from that. So a couple of these uh, I might end up switching, but for at this point, I'm going Roman Dolidze by unanimous decision. You know what? Fuck it. No, with this one, I'm going to go uh, second round TKO. It's light heavyweight. These guys are throwing bombs. are pretty fast and uh, explosive, for, especially for their size. So I'm going to go Dalidze by second round TKO. All right, next one, women's flyweight. Montana De La Rosa versus Talia Santos. Uh, this one, I'm going to go with the underdog here, De La Rosa. Uh, she's been up and down in her career. Santos is, you know, same kind of 50-50 so far. And uh, attributes-wise, size-wise, they seem about the same on paper. Again, uh, over the course of the week, I could switch this up. But uh, for this one, I'm going to go with De La Rosa, the known commodity. She's got more UFC experience. Uh, husband trains and fights at UFC as well. Uh, I think he might actually got cut. Whoops. But point being is that she's got more experience on the big stage. And I think she's going to do just enough. Uh, this woman's flyweight, and it's not the you know top five or anything like that. So uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, a somewhat slow pace and kind of like even evenly matched fight it's gonna be tough to score on the judges scorecard because you're gonna have a you know not not a whole lot probably to score but i'm gonna go with the uh, montana de la rosa here and i'm gonna go with a unanimous decision on this one which brings us to the co-main event uh oven st prude taking on jamal hill so jamal hill man explosive he's got tkos and ko's on his record he's uh, new to the ufc but he's seven and oh he's undefeated overall and uh, over at St. Prude, notoriously kind of a slower starter, gets hit sometimes, but he's a veteran, man. He's, look at this record, 25-14. and 14. He uh, is coming off a win against Menefield, Alonzo Menefield. He's come uh, up and back down from, he went back, he went up to heavyweight, came back down to light heavyweight in his last fight. He looked uh, in a lot better shape. He looked uh, a lot sharper, however. Obed St. Prue has, has kind of been around a long time. He's kind of old guard in a sense, somewhat of a gatekeeper role. So I'm a little bit nervous because Jamal Hill, you know, he's like a fucking truck. And again, as I said, Obed St. Prue does have a tendency sometimes to come out a little bit cold. So uh, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it, but I'm going to go right at this point. Obed St. Prue, unanimous decision, I think. His veteran savvy is going to be able to keep him safe at the, at the times he needs to. Um, hold him up against the cage. Utilize that uh, upper body grappling and kind of just slow down the fight to his pace and ultimately come away with the decision on this one. 
Um, I don't see him putting away uh, Jamal because I think Jamal's going to offer too much danger to uh, in close um, that he's either going to have to hold on or he's going to have to be all the way on the outside. So at this point, Omen St. Brew, unanimous decision. So that just leaves the main event. Uh, Jack Hermanson, Jack the Joker, taking on Marvin Vittori. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Vittori, although this is a, you know, um, noble, honorable that he's going to jump in last minute to take on someone. Uh, obviously, he, he wants that risk. He wants that opportunity because uh, if he comes away with the victory, this is uh, Vittori, then this is going to be all worth it. Big risk, big reward. Uh, but I think it's going to be just a little bit too much for him. He's going to offer some interesting uh, things on the feet for Hermanson to have to look out for and to make sure to be aware of, give him that respect. Can't be reckless and just, you know, lunge in there on the feet with uh, out being smart about it and setting up up his shots but I ultimately think Hermanson is going to be able to get a hold of him he is going to be able to take him down Vittori is uh, pretty good on the floor himself so it's going to be a little bit of a I think uh, what's the word like a a struggle for uh, Hermanson it's not going to be easy it's not going to be it's not going to look like but Vittori doesn't belong in there with Hermanson. However, I do think ultimately Hermanson's going to be able to get it done inside the distance. So I'm going to go at this point. Hermanson, uh, uh, I'm struggling between first and second round. I'm going to go second round submission by Hermanson. I think Vittori, again, does train, train with a good camp and does have a good scrambling ability and good uh, technical defense on the floor. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a, of a challenge for um, Hermanson, so it's going to make it interesting. But I'm ultimately going with uh, Jack Hermanson, second round submission. So that finishes up the UFC card. Now, some last words before I wrap this up for the week. Uh, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Now look, I'm 35 years old. I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> I was born in 84, so I was raised during the time where Chicago Bulls had their three-peat with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, you know, Horace Grant, like I, the the list goes on. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys had uh, Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith, and le- my, later um, was it Michael Irving, and all all these other just dynasties. Kind of when I was growing up, and and, and very impressionable in terms of my team sports, um, and who was very popular, right? So I was uh, when I was into team sports when I was younger. All these. Kind of, I mean, Mike Tyson was no different. He was just at the top of the headlines uh, in terms of uh, the sporting world at this time, and for the longest time, he dominated it. And he was, I was around during those times where he was having like fifteen, thirty second, minute, uh, second pay per views where people were pissed off because he was just too dominant, right? So it's like. I, I lived through the era where he was just the fucking man. And Roy Jones Jr. at the, at the same time was also uh, very just kind of unique in his era and, and super, he's just a legend in the game. They're both absolute legends and they're around the same age. And they both obviously weren't at the tip top of the sphere of their of their physical abilities. But damn, if I, I don't think they both did a great job and did a, a look pretty good for their age, man. And and the overall like production value of the event, including like Snoop Dogg and and dude, that I I really like the whole way that they utilized the space with fucking no crowd. I mean, and, and just kind of made the best they they did the best they could with it. And overall production wise, I was I was impressed. Uh, everything with the exception of like how the co-main event and, and the Nate Robinson situation ended up. I mean, you shouldn't be allowing people with that much of a mismatch and not training for their fight to be in there and, and potentially take that kind of brain damage. 
I, that's just my personal opinion. If you're going to sanction it as, as this kind of an event, if it's celebrity boxing, that's one thing. If, if it's professional boxing, it's another thing. But anyways, with that being said, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., man, the amount of nostalgia that I was able to, to experience watching these two guys go out there and literally look like their old selves in terms of their physical movements, their mannerisms, their styles, and their approach to the game and the classic punches that they were throwing and, and Roy Jones just trying to do his classic footwork and, and just touch and move and, and, and lead right hands and switching stances. And, and, and Mike Tyson with his peekaboo style is his absolute switching. It, it was just it was awesome for me to watch. And, and overall, with the amount of things that could potentially have gone wrong with an event like this and uh, them both being up there in age and having to kind of skirt the rules in order to even be able to get it sanctioned and exit the exhibition, is it not? Are they winning or they losing? Yeah, cool. it was a draw at the end, right? Most people, you check verdict.com, think Mike Tyson won that fight. But the fact that it went all eight rounds and neither of these old men got hurt and they were to pull off this event in, in, in what I would otherwise uh, just call successful way. Uh, congrats to them. I'm sure they made some good money for charity and, and wink, wink. I'm sure they made some for themselves too. You know what I'm saying? So um, if they're able to pull this off and, and nobody got hurt and, and it what didn't look like make a mockery of the sport and we still got to see both these guys kind of do a little bit, do, both do their stuff and, and look like former versions of themselves, then I, I enjoyed it, man. So that's my take on it. Take the, take the good with the bad, I guess. And, uh, Overall, congrats to them, and, and I was it was a pleasure to watch. So everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but that's mine. Feel free, get at me, engage the show, get at me on my socials. Let me know what you guys think. But until then, make sure to tune in for next week's episode where we break down all the action and see how we did with our picks, and then recap the points for the predictions challenge. It's getting close; only two weeks left after that, and then we look ahead to the following week where we have the stacked UFC 256 card where Davidson Figueroa is turning around. With a three-week turnaround from his last performance defending his flyweight title against uh, Brandon Moreno, hello, who is also turning around three weeks later to fight for the championship. Plus, an extremely stacked card, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira in the co-main event, Junior Dos Santos versus Cyril Gagne, Hanato Moicano versus Javier Fiziev, that's what I was talking about, getting rescheduled, plus much, much more. This is a crazy-ass card, UFC 256, so don't miss out on that. That's next week, so make sure to tune in. But that's it. That does it for this week's installment of the D-Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes. Give us a positive review. Five-star rating, hopefully. Don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small businessmen and women who support the show, just like you guys, by listening every single week. My boy Eden, Eden Buttery Pancakes, slash I Get People Shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with StrongWomenDesigns.com. Nora, my girl with DreamLoudCollections.com, Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care, Caesar with OC Party Rentals, Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef, Angie Snyder with Holistic Healing Services, and last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 Freeway off Avery Parkway. First class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the fights.